All right, and welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Alex. And we are Pearl Snap Tactical. Alex, we got a real doozy of an episode today. I'm telling you, I have a prediction. I'm not clairvoyant or anything, but I think I got a sneaking suspicion that there's some people that are going to be butt hurt after they listen to this episode. I think uh, I think it's a possibility. I yeah, I would say you're probably correct there. You know, but I think there's a lot of folks that that are going to be dialed into what we're talking about. And for the people who don't, I think if they'll have an open mind and understand where we're coming from and what we're saying, uh, there's really no need to be butthurt, you know, because we're not really coming in and telling someone that what they're doing is wrong. We're just trying to reframe an argument that's out there and try to direct it in a more productive area, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. So what is that argument? So we're talking about uh, how your martial arts instructor is going to get you killed. And that is uh, and I think as we go along, you're going to understand exactly what we're talking about right now. Let's say hypothetically you have uh, no no background in any kind of combative arts and you see what's going on on the TVs, on the news and your news feed. And you decide, man, I, I need to pick up some kind of self-defense system. You know, and, uh, you know, I can't always carry a gun. So I want to I want to be good with my hands at least or, or want to pick up that skill set. So what do I do? So you go on the YouTubes and you start, you know, looking up what's the best martial arts system? What's the best defensive tactics? So you call it whatever you want. And you're going to get the phone book as far as 80 million different types of you know, karate, Aikido, Krav Maga, I mean, you name it, MMA. And all these people are going to come into the marketplace of ideas telling you that their system is best. You know, my Kung Fu grip beats your karate spinning wheel kick, you know, 10 out of 10 times, right? Yeah. And they're going to tell you that don't, don't go to that other guy's McDojo over there where they wear the pajamas and dance around doing forms and katas, you come to our quote unquote reality based martial arts system and we'll teach you to be a killer in two moves, right? You know what I'm yep. talking about? You know, all oh, that yeah. stuff. We've all seen it. We've all seen it. And uh, it's very, it's very confusing. So what do you do? How do you select a system? How do you know if you're not just going to be investing and wasting your time on some, you know, nonsense, or if you're getting something that's really effective, because you can't even trust, you know, the Navy SEALs of the world out there or whatever. I mean, you can listen to them and just, you know, what, what the the best kept secret, I think, is the military is that, you know, for those on the outside, I think they think that, oh, man, you're you're the soldier. You're ready to go to war. You must know how to fight. You must be really good with your hands. And uh, although the military does give you some background with that, they don't they don't really focus a lot on it. Right. No, no. They give you a gun. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> more know? focused on the gun. And in fact, the Rand Corporation did a study uh, years ago the use of empty hand combatives in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they found that actually special operations guys were less likely to encounter empty hand situations where they had to use combatives versus uh, dudes in line units. And uh, 
I think if I recall right, infantry and MPs were the most likely to use empty hand combative style stuff uh, during encounters in special operations guy work. Did you know that? No, I did not, but uh, I can see where that kind of makes sense. Yeah, especially with the MPs, because although the uh, the the report didn't state it, I was like, well, okay, well, what would MPs most likely be doing? Well, they're taking people into custody, right? So they're yes. taking people, and I and I know, like, even in special operations, y'all do you know snatch and grabs and stuff like that. But I'm talking about they're taking combative people and they're doing riot control and same thing with infantry guys. Sometimes um, they get impressed to do riot control and crowd control, that kind of stuff. So when you look at it from that standpoint um, versus, you know, special operations guys that are kind of doing snatch and grabs in the middle of the night and kind of getting in and getting out, you know, without causing a ruckus, it makes a lot of sense. But I think it's interesting that in the marketplace, you know, who's who sucks up all the oxygen in the room when it's talking about how to do combatives, you know, it's a special ops guys and everything, which, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not hating on them for it, but it just, the fact of the matter is those, those aren't necessarily the authorities that you want to be consulting with, you know, not saying they don't know what they're talking about. I'm just saying that. Uh, well, it, you know, you do get uh, quite a, uh, quite a bit more, uh, I guess, combatives training than, um, than normal line, line units do. Right. And, yeah. And, I would say that's a real thing, but as far as using it, um, I mean, yes, they do detain people. Yeah. Uh, and you want to bring them in, um, preferably breathing because you need to, uh, grab sure. Intel, you know? Yeah. So yeah. there, there is that aspect of it. But just point out, you know, as far as the, the use and the, the experience of it. So moving on. So getting back to, the confusion that the consumer is going to get. It's like, who do I listen to and, and where do I go to get the right kind of information? Because everybody's saying the same thing, right? The Krav Maga people are saying, well, this is reality based stuff. You know, look, the Israelis use it or, um, you know, they're known for counterterrorism and all this sexy stuff. Or, you know, the MMA guy is going to be like, oh, there's almost no rules. You know, you're going full contact. You should train with us. And, and so everybody is pointing the finger and saying, you know, our system is best. Our system works. The other stuff is just fluff and fake. It doesn't work in, in the quote unquote on the street or real world situation. So the question is, what do you what do you do? How do you know how to evaluate what you should do? And I think our argument is most of the debate in the in the public space is around technique. Right. My Kung Fu grip better than your karate kick right and that's the wrong argument right the the argument I, really needs to be about timing timing yes um I, I mean well first of all i would say you know in any close quarters uh environment or anything like that your three elements are speed surprise and violence action mm -hmm. so i mean and that you you need to be able to enact your plan on the enemy and not have the enemy enact their plan on you. And if you don't understand timing, which what we're going to talk about, you're um, you're going to be left with very little, as they say, tools in your tool bag. Right. And it's just going to become a free for all melee. And it's going to come down to who's strongest, who's fastest and who's more skilled. Right. Yeah. And who's got more grit. 
Yeah. And, and you see that all the time. I mean, for instance, you know, the IDF has a really good brand. You know, the Israeli Defense Force has a really good brand out there in the combative space because, oh, you know, they deal with terrorists every day and and uh, it's such, it's such a dangerous place. And so these guys are just hard. This problem of stuff is just the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm telling you, I mean, having gone over there and trained with those guys, I love them, got a lot of respect from with them. But if you watch videos of those guys getting into altercation, you're going to see very little Krav Maga going on. You know what you're going right. to see? You're going to see fists flying. You know, you're going to see dudes just grabbing and rolling onto the ground. You're, I mean, you're not going to recognize hardly any of it. And it's not because the Krav Maga techniques don't work. It's just because it's that some of those techniques that they've learned – they can't apply that technique uh, under the the conditions of the timing that was set by the threat. Yep, correct. So let's let's talk about what we mean by timing. So there's there's three types of timing, right? Um, well, first of all, let me back up. So any what our argument is is that any technique that's legit, that's an actual like recognized technique, right? Uh, an armbar, a kick, a punch. Um, a, a, a throw, whatever it is, it will work if you have two things going for you. If you have timing and range, those are yep. the two things. If, if Assuming that you're competent and you know how to execute, that will work every time if you have the timing and you have the range. And uh, I used to always say that, but I, I wasn't, I think I, I, I didn't really quite understand that. To the, to the extent until I saw it actually work with the keto. So first of all, I mean, no offense to anybody there. For the longest time, I never really had a lot of respect for a keto. I thought it was really pretty. I thought it looked cool, but I didn't think it was really effective. And I still, for the most part, don't think it is. Be but it's not because the techniques don't work. It's just very hard to apply those techniques with the proper timing that we're going to get into uh, here soon. But for an example, I saw in Japan or it was somewhere in Asia, this guy was had a gun out. This bad guy had a gun out, and he was threatening people with it. And he was kind of in a standoff with the police. And this guy who knew Aikido runs out of the corner of this the bad guy's eyes so he can't see him, and he's running at him full force. And he happens to, at full speed, as he's running through the guy, basically grab his wrist and do one of those little circle things where the guy's – you know, the bad guy's feet ends up going head over heels where he's flying up in the air. So normally that would be a technique like for those of you who don't know how Aikido works. And uh, basically it's you're using one guy's momentum against the other. And so what that requires when you're in training is that your uke or your training partner kind of needs to be running at you. And you take his momentum and use it against him. And the problem is that in most fights, people just don't move like that. Now, I know I may get some haters on, you know, it's like with the keto, but hey, I'm giving you a break here because I'm telling you, your technique actually worked in a real life situation uh, under different conditions where the bad guy wasn't even running at the good guy. It was reversed, but the good guy had the timing, right, because he, he struck first and he had the range. And so he was able to pull it off and it worked fine. And it worked just as good as any judo, jujitsu. Krav, MMA, it worked as good as any of those because why? He had the range and he had the right timing. Right. 
Yep. Yeah. So those are the things that you got to have. Now let's move into what we mean by timing, because it, when you when you start talking about timing, a lot of and it's not speed, right? I mean, speed's it's, a component of it, but it's not yes. speed. No. So what we mean there there's three timings to any engagement, and this is true whether it's a um, a jet fighters fighting in the air, a tank battle, a division of troops, a squad, or a fist fight. You're going to see these three timings that are always present. And they're always moving and the exchange, you know, timing is being exchanged between you and the threat. And those three timings are uh, behind time, you're behind time, uh, you're equal time to equal to your opponent and timing, and you're ahead of time. And your goal oftentimes, especially as, con you know, concealed carry holders, we get attacked by a criminal we are behind time. So an ambush puts you behind time. He goes first. That's an ambush. Um, a chance contact, right? Equal Where time. you have, yeah, that's equal time. So an, an example of uh, equal time would be, you know, two units are patrolling in the, in the woods and they, they come upon each other at the same time. Right. Well, I'm, yeah. And then that's also a chance like contact. Yeah. Also equal time. A, a good example would be like um, if you open a door and you're not expecting it, boom, there's a person there and exactly. it startles both of you. That That's the exact same. That's equal time. That's equal timing too. Yeah. So everyone has experienced that before. Pretty sure. So equal timing is where that's a chance contact, right? It's Neither one of you were planning to be at that door at that precise location. And when you did, you both kind of, you know, both people kind of freeze up. So that that's an example, be equal timing. And so someone has to move first, right, to resolve that issue. Someone has to, you know, usually there's this nervous laughter and one person decides to let the other person go through. And yeah, and then someone, a lot of times you wind up doing that little funny little dance while you go right, they go left and you go yeah. left, they go right. You know, yeah. it's one of those you do the little dance. Yeah. That's equal and time. so, yeah, that's equal timing. And so what the goal and, and so well, let me hit up on uh, ahead of time. Ahead of time would be the assault. Right. If from your perspective. So you are assaulting uh, through. Right. You're, yeah. you're going or, first. Yeah. Or you set the ambush for them. You're in yeah. control of the movement. Yeah. So when we said behind time, we said ambushed. Obviously, that means you are being ambushed. If you get ahead of time, that is you are ambushing the other person or at least assaulting, meaning you are going first. So people can see how it's real easy to get speed confused with timing, you know, especially when we say you go first. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going faster, right? If you blind some someone, you can go first and you're not necessarily moving faster than what they're capable of doing. You're just moving at a different angle. Right. 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 So the goal that, that so why it's important to understand this is that this is how you beat someone who's faster, stronger and more skilled than you are. I always will start, especially when we're doing knife classes or any kind of combative classes. I'll always ask the class, you know, before we start, I'm like, do you believe that there's somebody out there faster, stronger, and more skilled than you are? And everybody, regardless of their skill level, is going to say, yeah, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if they're being honest, I mean, hypothetically, somewhere in this world, there's somebody faster, stronger, more skilled than me. I know that for a fact, um, from as far as I go. And so the question is, well, then how do you beat someone who's stronger, faster, and more skilled than you are? And without fail, you know, someone will be like, well, train harder, train harder. Well, well, hold on there, partner. That don't work because the parameter is they're faster, stronger, more skilled than you are. So if you train more, then theoretically by the parameters, they are also training and they're still going to be faster, stronger, more skilled than you are. Um, and, and so on. And so then they'll be like, okay, we'll carry a weapon. Well, no, because, you know, theoretically they are, they're more skilled than you are. So they've already thought, you know, they have the knowledge and skill they're, they're carrying a weapon too, you know? So how do you, how do you defeat that? And we know that it is possible to do that. We've seen that. And you can look in boxing, you can look in combative sports, uh, in the military and engagements where smaller forces take out larger forces. So it, it is something that is possible, but they don't do it with, matching what the other guys bring into the table, right? So, you know, you're going to have to do that through one of the ways to do that is through manipulating time, the timing. If you understand range and timing, if you understand how it works, then you can manipulate it. And when you manipulate it, you can reset the engagement. So I don't always have to be faster than the other guy. If I can reset the timing of the engagement during the battle, I... I can I can then go first. I can strike first, even if I if I'm slower. It's really hard to explain that to someone just you know th- through a podcast. But you, you really have to come to class and experience it, where we'll, we'll show you how to do it. But you, we're at least laying the framework, right? The foundation for the knowledge, right? We can, right. That's what we're our goal is, right? Uh, what is important for ranging to you? Well, I think that's a good point. Um, what you had brought up when we were talking about this earlier about reactionary gap and controlling space. So we have timing and then you also have the space or the range. And I was really interested in hearing what you had to say about re- reactionary gap. So reactionary gap to me is uh, one of the big things in close quarters combat is uh, you have to be able to get inside and outside of reactionary gap. So I'm going to explain reactionary gap and what that means. So reactionary gap is when you are close enough to somebody that you can deliver a strike and it does not give them enough time to react to that strike. All right. Unless you create some t- type of pattern by doing the same movements over and over again, then they can kind of predict what you're going to do next. So you want to break that up. Um, The bad part about reactionary gap, the thing you need to understand, if they can't react to you, you don't have time to react to them. So in order to get that, and this is, this deals with range. So you need to be able to range in in order to get that strike and get out of that reactionary gap for their counterattack, or you stay there and give them enough stimulus to have to react to that you can keep delivering blows. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what, what gives you the capability other than why right, you got to have the visual acuity to recognize space 
and and the and and the range, but then what's the mechanics that kind of gives you the capability to range in and out? Uh, footwork. Yeah, the footwork. Footwork allows you to get in and out and, and yeah. use proper use of angles. Yeah. Um, using that range, and, and that's what we're talking about here is that range being able to uh, close in, close in close, and then move far away. Yeah. You know? The, you know, a lot of a lot of systems talk about footwork, you know, boxing talks about footwork and MMA. Um, it, it comes up and not all footwork is is created equal. You know, they're, they're not all exactly the same, but they do operate on similar principles. I mean, personally, I think you and I are big fans of the system we train, which is uh, Pekiti Tersha Kali that that Tim Wade out at the Dallas taught us, but um, that we use it because it's it's based on. Uh, warfare maneuver, you know, and, and using angles of flanking and envelopment and stuff like that. But you don't have to have that. Um, some of it, because these things are based on principles, you can find them in other systems. And I know I've seen video, uh, and this was from Tim that showed me of Mike Tyson back in his heyday, uh, using a lot of the same angles that we have in, in uh, PTK using it effectively against his uh, opponents so that he could slip in and give them that, that iconic hook that would just, you know, just crush people, you know? Yeah. And I mean, he's doing that from flanking. That's, mm -hmm. that's your winning maneuver there is being able to flank the enemy. Yeah. And, and if you watch some of those old videos, I mean, with his sparring partners and stuff like that, they're really incredible to watch because he's, he's doing everything that we talked about. I mean, he's getting his opponent's timing and he's, and he's kind of using his footwork to get in closer to come from out from uh, long range where, you know, he's out of reach and he's slipping in and he's slipping in and he's getting the other guy's timing so that when the guy does try to launch, even if the guy's faster, he already knows the timing. So he ducks at the right time and then he'll slip in you know, cut 45 degrees forward and then cut back and flank the guy and just bring that devastating hook, man. It just, it's, it's really pretty impressive, man. Which and, uh, is but, I mean, why he was the champ. Yeah. The hook for him was a, uh, was a close range shot, meaning within that reactionary gap. So yeah. there was nothing really they could do. Once he got inside, he was going to tear your ribs up and then go yeah. straight to the head. So, yeah. I mean, he changed, changed levels. Uh, it got in close and then got out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Floyd Mayweather is another one that's pretty good at that. Yeah, he's more of a points boxer, but that, you know, mm -hmm. we're getting along those lines. Yeah. Where you get get inside reactionary gap, get outside reactionary gap. So there is something that I want to loop around to uh, about, you know, we didn't really nail why your martial arts instructor is going to get you killed and why these things, you know, we talked about everything works with range and timing, but I, I want to hit that. But first, um, we're going to have a quick break, uh, a word from our sponsor. Pearl Snap Tactical is podcast is sponsored by Baratus Defense. This is our training company. Baratus Defense offers training in tactical firearms, combatives, counterterrorism, and security consulting. Our courses are designed to quickly move you from basic to advanced levels and help you succeed regardless of your background. Our team of mobile instructors can go anywhere to bring you the training and the knowledge that you need to accomplish your goal or mission. For more information about training, go to www.baratusdefense.com. Now back to the show. So we said, you know, jokingly, how your your self-defense instructor is going to get you killed. And I'll tell you, this, this is this is why 
if you watch videos of IDF guys, if you watch sh uh, videos of police officers, like uh, getting into altercations, you know, we didn't mention that, but police officers typically will go through several hours, you know, 40 hours, 80 hours or whatever it is every year, every two years to recertify on their defensive tactics. And they use a, a myriad of programs. And when you watch their videos of those guys taking someone into custody, a lot of times you'll see it's just brawling. I mean, you see you see the same thing, whether it's in Israel, whether it's on the street. I, I mean, it's just brawling. And there's there's very little technique. And, you know, people talk about, well, you know, if you get a fight, it's going to go to the ground. Well, I, I mean, yeah, when you're just brawling and you're rolling up and clinching it, if you don't understand timing and you don't understand range and you can't manipulate late those. Yeah, it's going to go. It's going to go to the ground and it's just going to be a brawl. So how do you keep that from happening? Well, what the problem, as we said at the beginning of the show, it's not a technique issue. It's not a system issue. It's a timing issue. It's applying the wrong technique in the wrong stage of the timing, right? So most training in martial arts, and I'm saying this out of love, right? So I know you've got a background with training and combatives. I've been doing martial arts stuff off and on since I was in third grade. I've done karate, taekwondo, kung fu, jujitsu. Uh, I've done a lot of different things. So I love them all. But this is this is the issue with them is how do you how's your instructor training you? And he they're training you how to do ahead of time techniques behind time. And those were never work. No. Or vice versa. You know, it's never gonna work. Yeah. You yeah. know, so that's that's kind of a hard thing. It, it's rather it's easier to show it than than to talk about it. But because this is a podcast and at least if we can get these principles, if we haven't lost anybody yet, if you can kind of get your head wrapped around it over time, you'll you'll be able to see it and you'll you'll recognize it. So the problem is, you know, these guys are squaring up toe to toe. Right. You've got your partner. And what do you do in a, in a training class? What I've done for years growing up, you tell the other guys, okay, I'm ready. So then he moves and then you work your technique on him, right? Well, in the, so he, I'm acting like he's moving first and he's ahead of time, but really I, I'm ahead of time because I know it's coming, right? In the right. training situation. But in the real world, you're typically behind time. So what happens is the guy's already grabbed you or the guy's already uh, moved within your reactionary gap, right? And he's cut that down. And so now those techniques that require you to move ahead of time, you can't do that. You you can't do that. And and so uh, that's the one reason why I, I train Bikini Tertia a lot uh, through Tim is that Tim recognized that. And so there are there are if someone's running it coming at you with a knife there is a there are uh tactics to handle it if you're behind time or if you're ahead or equal and so the goal is always to if you're behind time to at least match and get to equal time and then ultimately get ahead of time where you're controlling the engagement right but you have to move through those through that continuum and so Pekiti Tersha teaches your PTK teaches you how to do that 
And it's not the only system out there that'll do it, but but you you have to have that. And that's the problem with defensive tactics and all the other martial arts stuff out there. It's not that what they're teaching you is wrong. It's they're applying the wrong techniques to the wrong timing because they don't they all they understand about timing is speed. And there's so much more than that. Right. One of the things I've seen um, in a lot of these uh, videos and these guys on YouTube is um, you'll have these two guys that are sparring with a, with an empty weapon or whatever. One of them's got a weapon. One of them doesn't. A lot of times when the guy starts drawing the weapon, it just winds up into the, the guy that does not have a weapon pretty much tackling the other guy yeah. or at least yeah. pushing forward, trying to keep him from drawing the weapon. Yeah. Right. The thing there is you need to stop what is going to hurt you. What is going to hurt you in that situation? The other guy's yeah. hands. Yeah. Right. So yeah. instead of wrestling around over the gun, disable the arm. Yeah. Disable the hand. Right. Mm -hmm. You see what yeah. I'm saying? You know, people think kind of are arguing on the wrong things about just speed. Look, let's look at the gun world, right? If you look and particularly in the civilian realm, you know, most of your videos are people just doing things super fast, like try obsessed with that fast, quick draw, the fast reloads. And don't get me wrong. Speed's very important. It's like you said, speed and um, surprise and violence of action. You know, it's the hallmark of CQB, but it's not the end all be all. And the good example of that is if somebody gets the jump on you, and in a gunfight and you get pinned down and the bullets are raising, raining in, a sub-second draw is not going to help you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not going to save you. Like, you can be the fastest draw in the world. You'd be faster than the other guy. But if he got the jump on you because you were unaware and now he's got you pinned down behind a car, you know, and the bullets are flying and he's beginning to maneuver on you, a subsecond draw is not going to help you. You have to reset the timing. You are now behind time and you're going to have to try to equal and then get ahead of him. And you're not going to do that with speed necessarily. That's done through escalation of force and yes. um, uh, regaining that uh, balance of action. Yeah. And so there's a whole, you know, we're not going to get into that. We, we've kind of touched on that in other podcasts, but some of it has to do with uh, you know, regaining fire superiority, positioning, um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about timing. It's not always speed, right? It's not always just speed. Um, there might be times where you would slow down your rate of attack in order to catch back up with him. And I know that's, that's something you really do have to see, but um, that is true. Like if the guy's faster, if he's already going, it's just simple as you weaving out kind of letting him come into the space and then bam, then you hit him. I mean, that's an example. So that's where I actually regained and went ahead of timing by slowing my rate down. Right. Right. This is right. stuff that, and this is the problem is the other systems, the techniques are totally legit. They just don't have the tactics. They don't they don't have the understanding of timing. And that's why when you see videos of these dudes, most of the time they just get into they're just brawls. Right. It's mm -hmm. not that the guys don't know what they're doing. It's they don't understand how to apply the right technique to gain them the advantage of going from behind time to ahead of time.
All right, let's go to our questions real quick. We're kind of running on t- out of time. Um, let's talk to uh, Bill out of Georgia. Bill uh, had a question about what it basically, I think what our preference is, if we prefer leather or Kydex holsters, you know, which one's better? What do you think on that? Uh, I have a leather holster. I'm just not a fan of uh, the snap, the snap button retention. Uh, that's not my, one of my favorite things. Um, it's, you can use it, uh, if you get good at using it and that's the thing training with it. Me personally, I prefer, uh, Kydex, uh, for me. What do you think about that? I'm the same way. I use Kydex. Uh, I haven't had a lot of experience with leather holsters. I'll tell you one thing that I don't like are nylon holsters. I won't touch a nylon holster i've had them in the past when i was a baby private like eight million years ago when i first came into the army uh we had nylon holsters i didn't like them then since that time luckily the army's kind of gravitated away from nylon holsters and have gone to like more kydex even for the like conventional units like we're we're getting kydex uh drop leg holsters i don't like drop leg holsters but at least it's kydex you know um yeah but we're, we're getting those now. Um, but uh, even in classes that we've run, I can't tell you how many nylon holsters I've seen that are break just from people doing drawing presentation. You know what I mean? Or, uh, yeah, I just don't like them. They're flimsy and they're cheap. Just get you, if you're going to buy and invest your life in a quality firearm, investing in a quality holster is, is just as important, I think. Um, yeah. And so whether that's a codex or leather, you're just going to have to experiment and figure out what you like better. But for both of us, it looks like we both like codex. Moving on, we got Jeremy from Pennsylvania. Jeremy wanted to know about like what our thoughts were on, um, I guess, concealed carry holder insurance. So this is uh, NRA, UCCA, U.S. Law Shield. There's companies out there that will um, protect you. You can buy an insurance policy that if you get involved in a uh, self-defense issue, that they will provide representation for you. So here, here's my take on that, just from being an attorney. So I was a prosecutor for six years. I prosecuted all kinds of gun crime, violence, and criminals. When I left that office, I actually did defend a guy that used a weapon in a self-defense situation. And that was a tough case, but I ended up um, getting him off and him retaining his, his gun rights. And that was not an easy task. And so my point of what I'm saying is, even if you are in the right, like this guy was, it doesn't mean you're not going to get arrested. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through the criminal justice process, even if you're 100% innocent. And the point is, that's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you stress. And it's pretty nice if you've got somebody there that's going to pick up the tab for that. And so I do recommend it. As far as which companies are out there, you'll have to investigate. You know, they might vary by state depending on their insurance commission and stuff like that. But I definitely would look at that. It's not that expensive. And, um, it, it could it could really save you financially. Let's move on to uh, Willie from Arkansas. Willie wants to know 
I think he wants to know about like how to draw faster and more accurately. Like what what are some things he can do to make himself faster, to have a faster, more accurate draw. So after we just talked about like speed ain't everything, it is something and it is something you want to work on. So we, de- we definitely don't want to give that impression that it's not important. So first of all, I would say, Willie, if you haven't already, if you go to our website, www.baritisdefense.com, boom, on the first page, you're going to get an offer to sign up for a free one-week program that'll teach you how to shoot faster and make more accurate hits. It's a week long. Uh, you do it at your own pace, and you can repeat the program as much as you want. It's helped me, and I've ver- validated this with uh, several other people um, that have gone through this program, and it has increased their uh, draw times and their accuracy. But So you can sign up for that, and it's free. But to kind of go through some of those things you're going to f- find out, I mean, some of the common problems I see with people when they're starting out or bad habits that they've developed is rushing it too early, like going fast before it's time to go fast. Right. And so you tend to be sloppy. And I know everybody gets sick of hearing, you know, slow, smooth, smooth this fast, but there's a lot of truth to that. Yep. And, And cutting down any unnecessary movement, moving in straight lines, uh, being able to draw and move at the same time. Um, like we were saying, um, getting inside reactionary gap, being able to draw from there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that that's an interesting concept that uh, we'll have to explain more in some of our classes, but it's very important to be able to draw and move at the same time. Yeah. So now that's more of an advanced thing. So that's good to know that, you know, your draw speed and your accuracy, (laughs) you kind of need to think about it in in terms of different dynamics. I mean, there's the drawing and speeding static, like where you're on the static range, right? You've got to develop that first, but you can't stay there. You can have a sub-second draw standing flat straight, and that will only be good to you in certain situations. You also need to be able to move and draw, you know, draw on the move and make accurate hits. Ultimately, yeah. that's where you want to get to. And I, and I mean, this is one of those things that kind of it may be getting off in the weeds a little bit, but I mean, we don't duel anymore. So <laughs> a static draw is not going to do you a whole lot of good. Yeah, it's good to train uh, to reinforce your mechanics, but in a real life situation, you're not going to be dueling with a guy at 10 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. And like we were saying, even on the videos that you see of people who've become, you know, gotten into use of force altercations. Okay. So yeah, maybe the criminal comes up and it's a stick up, right. And maybe they are standing there and they, maybe they are toe to toe and the guy does draw on a drawn gun. And you know, that's a whole different discussion of should you, or when you should, when should you type thing. But the fact is, okay, that's one type of engagement. So that's also that's also timing. Yeah, yeah, it has that that goes back into timing now. Is that this guy is ahead of time and now how are you going to to progress through trying to equal and get ahead of him? And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to draw. But anyway, that's a whole different topic. But the point is that that's one type of engagement. That's not the only kind of engagement that you that you're going to be involved or could be involved in. So why not train according to tactical principles 
that's going to give you an edge in a multitude of situations instead of just getting hamstrung and niched down on one thing and being a one trick pony. I think. Um, I think so too. Uh, another thing I would think, uh, Willie, that's going to help you out with your accuracy part as the speed comes. Um, something I do when I'm dry firing, I know Alex does this too, is pick a very small focal point. So I would rather go slow and practice getting a draw and presentation where I'm going on a very small target and work on getting faster, more deliberate, more deliberate, increasing the speed slowly. Because then uh, when I do it for real on a life-size target, of a greater chance I'm going to hit that thing. So for instance, we use paper plates, we use three by five index cards, depending on what the drill is, and we hone down those things. And so then when we really, really go for for speed and we put ourselves like we were a few weeks back um, when we were shooting together, put ourselves on a shot timer, right? Trying to go fast, so fast that, yeah, I might miss that plate or that three by five card, but I'm still going to hit the head. You know, I'm still going to hit the chest. And it's it's kind of that aim small, miss small kind of thing. So pick a small focal point. Yep. That's, that's nailed it. Wanted to throw that out there. Do you have anything else? Uh, we pretty much hit it today. I got a bunch more, but we're going to have to wait until next time. All right. Well, hey, guys, thanks a lot for supporting uh, Pearl, Cap- Pearl Snap Tactical Podcast. Uh, this content is free, but it's not free to make. And we would like to upgrade on some microphones and uh, some other equipment. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast and helping us out push more content out and getting the quality of production better, um, we'll leave a link in below. It's called Buy Me a Coffee. You can click that and uh, you can give a donation. We really appreciate that. It just helped us improve this program. And So once again, thanks for listening. And on behalf of Alex and I, we'll tell you to stay sharp, be safe, and keep it pearl snapped.